The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of November. Ira Bell, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, and Tristan Pantorado. The GameCube GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Alright, Mike, we're uh, we're well into November now. I was looking at our show notes just getting ready for today's episode, and uh, there's only eight episodes left in 2021. We are burning through the, the, this year, dude. Just burning those bridges. Flame on! <laughs> it only helps you in your, in your path to success, is to burn as many bridges as possible. And Neil, our next week's episode is going to be super, super fun. Um, we're going to obviously talk about it at the end of this episode, but we're going to do our first ever live stream of the podcast for the GameCube's 20th anniversary in North America, which is mm-hmm. uh, pretty crazy. 20 years of the GameCube. I can't believe it. And I can't believe that we're actually going to tempt fate and do a live stream. <laughs> that, that's going to be really interesting. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. But that'll be the first time that we ever record something like side by side, face to face. Yeah, yeah. That'll be the first time. That'll be pretty interesting. The The audio file of that will go up Thursday night after we're done. The next week is going to be sick. We got a great lineup of episodes coming up. Today we're talking about Mario Tennis, which is one of my all-time favorite GameCube games. We're going to be doing Metroid Prime 2 in a couple of weeks. we got the GameCube's 20th anniversary. It's just a great wind-down. Pikmin 2 also uh, still to close out the year. So a lot of great episodes coming up. So yeah, we're really spoiled right now, man. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a... There's going to be a bit of a dry spell, I imagine, as we get nearer and nearer <laughs> to the end of the GameCube's library. There's obviously going to be less and less to talk about. So... Neil's going to have to be well caffeinated for those episodes, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> That's right. Neil, I have a question for you before we we dive into this episode, and it is, uh, are you a blinds down or blinds up sleeper? And what I mean by that is when you go to sleep at night, do you need mm-hmm. to have the blinds closed? You know, do you, do you need to make sure that light is not just fully penetrating into your room? Oh, God. Absolutely. I need absolute darkness to sleep. I do not understand people who can sleep with the blinds up, like... My blinds go side to side, but I know what you mean. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like even in my – when I lived in uh, – I used to live in like suburban areas around uh, Toronto. So like in local small communities, nothing too noisy, not too bright. We weren't getting that city light. But even then, like I needed – like if moonlight was coming in, I could not fall asleep. Uh, I, I need I need the room to be absolutely pitch dark. And same thing goes with the morning. As soon as the sunlight starts to come up – my girlfriend knows this. Like as soon as the sun starts to come up, I'm up. I'm out of the room. Like I <laughs> – there's something about like once light comes in, I, I need to be awake. And it's it's usually just natural light. Like if there's a lamp on in a room, I can sleep. Uh, but mm. as soon as like daylight is is present, I'm I'm up. But how about you? Do you have a preference to your blinds being up or down? I, I would I would personally love just pitch blackness all the time in my oh, in my bedroom. But uh, I, I, mine are my blinds are down and there is some light that comes in to, to wake me up in the morning. But um, I, I have met people through my life that are blinds up sleepers that they prefer Jeez. to just have that window up, uh, whether it's to have the, the air that comes in because they actually open the window physically okay. uh, or they uh, they just have the blinds up as well. They, they love to do that. And we're going to be talking to one of them <laughs> later <laughs> on the show. 
So uh, that'll be a fun time. I'm not going to enjoy that conversation. I can understand <laughs> wanting the window open. I get that. that but still close your blinds because I, I, too, like to keep my window open in the summertime, even sometimes in the fall. It's nice. I do like a room to be slightly cool when I'm asleep, but it needs to be pitch dark. If, if it could be just dark all the time and maybe sunny like an hour or two a day, I'd be just fine with that. I like it when it's like a little bit dark out. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be pitch dark uh, to sleep, hands down. That's a... Uh, that, that's non-negotiable for me, Mike. <laughs> I, it'll be another segment from Mike on the street where I go around asking people, are you blinds up or blinds down sleepers? I'd be really interested to know like what, what percentage of the population, if people even think about it. Some people probably just don't care. But uh, we'll that's a good poll. Well, well, yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> was going to say, we will do from our 1,000 or so followers on Instagram. We'll get a poll and see uh, see what the consensus is. Mike, last week we were talking a little bit about Mark Hamill and video games, just to kind of go back to last week's episode. And we were thinking, what games has he been in that we've talked yeah. about recently and we just drew complete blanks uh, the two <laughs> games that i could find were uh, x-men 2 wolverine's revenge and spyro the dragon those are the two mm, games those are good yeah that's right that's right and it's the new spyro that that um that new trilogy that they made that he's in correct mm-hmm. yeah it's the newer one the the reboot i think it was that yes that he came up in and then of course the newer games like he was in darksiders that i talked about and the batman games which he's most well known for and then he came back for star wars episode 8 which he didn't need to do but he did anyway he did it. He's there. Yeah, we're he's good. In now it. we can close the book on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Close the book on Star Wars completely. <laughs> Mike, I think we have a new rotating segment to bring into this uh, to this here dear show of ours, and uh, I think we're going to call it NFT. So why don't you let listeners know what this is all about? Yeah, Neil. So uh, we're selling GameCube NFTs. Oh wait, wait <laughs> oh, a minute. That's that's a, that's the wrong podcast. That's for our finance and mm. uh, how to get rich quick podcast. Uh, okay. This one is uh, <laughs> NFTs, standing for Nintendo Financial Times. Ooh, all right. So uh, as we know, Nintendo doesn't like money, but they still do get a lot of money because mm-hmm. uh, the Nintendo Switch has now sold over ninety million units, which is just crazy to me. Wow. Uh, we're we're sitting at ninety two point nine million switches have been sold, getting very close to the Wii. We'll probably pass the Wii after after this Q four, I would think, after the the Christmas yeah. rush and all that. Um, Wii sitting at one hundred one. So, hmm. yeah, took five years then to uh, basically five full years for the the switch to hit a hundred million. Wow. And the Wii took a, a full six. So has it been five years? No, didn't the week? Oh, Jesus! Yeah, it's been five years since the Switch came out, dude. <laughs> I like that realization. Oh man, I thought it was four. I was like, no, it's been four years. Damn, five. It'll yeah, have been right. five in March 2022, which is coming March, up. So yeah, March 3rd, 2022 will be the five-year anniversary of of the Switch, which is crazy to think. Like we're celebrating the 20th of the GameCube. The Switch is getting up there as well. You got to think that like in the next maybe two to three years, we're going to probably start to get more and more information about Nintendo's next console. But I I think you're right. I think that the Switch will outpace the Wii probably by, yeah, March 3rd next year because now we've got, uh, we just got Metroid came out. We have the new Mario Party game has come out. There's the Pokemon games coming out in early 2022. So those are all going to sell a couple million units combined. Like like gangbusters, the Switch is going to start to run off the shelves. How many Switches have you bought, Mike, in five years? Are you still on your first one? <laughs> still on my first one, yeah. I haven't bought hey. too many. I, okay. I, I was tempted about at the OLED Switch, but it just mm-hmm. there's no really difference in performance, which was that that kind of was the kicker for me. Uh, mm. I, I do recommend people, if they haven't bought a Switch yet, and if they're buying a new Switch, I would definitely recommend just starting with the OLED at this point because it is yeah. just a better system in every way Uh, Mm -hmm. but i did want to talk about a couple of um uh, a couple of fun games that are on here for 
their sales numbers. We got Mario Kart 8 sitting still at number one with 38.7 million units sold. And with that, Mario Kart 8 has just passed Mario Kart Wii to hold the title of the best-selling kart game for Nintendo console. Um, Mario Kart Wii was 37 million. So, yeah. That's wild. Just considering that it's not even a new Mario Kart game. It's still a port of the the Wii U. Yeah. It's it's the same game. And they have not even mentioned a Mario Kart 9. Like, there hasn't even been a we're working on it message. Maybe there has been. I've just missed it. I'm not a huge fan of the Mario Kart support that Nintendo has been doing over the past few years with this app game and the toys that came out. I just want Mario Kart 9. But anyway, yeah. more, more <laughs> good news about Switch games. Mike, what else do you have for us? Uh, we got Animal Crossing 34.8, uh, uh, Super Smash Bros. Um, Ultimate at 25 million. Uh, and the rest are the, are the same that they've been basically this entire time. We got Breath of the Wild, Sword and Shield, Odyssey, all over 20 million. Mario Party, or Super Mario Party, I mean, at 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's Go Pokemon at 13. Wow. We got Splatoon 2 at 12.7. And then Ring Fit, which is a new addition in here hey. at number 10, coming in at 12.2. And fun fact here that the top 12 selling games for the Switch have actually all outsold Mario Kart 8 for Wii U, which was <laughs> the highest selling game by a mile on the Wii U. And if you don't cart- count Mario Kart 8, then it's a top like 20 Switch games wow. have outsold anything <laughs> on the Wii U. That 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 was pretty easy to do. That That's wild to think. I'm really happy to see this top 10 list, Mike, for one specific reason. About, I guess, three months ago, what we talked about seeing Super Mario and Luigi U Deluxe or whatever had been in the top 10 best-selling Switch <laughs> we games. We wanted that out. I wanted it out, and I wanted to know what game would be the one to knock it off. I thought it was going to be Pokemon Snap. I remember saying that a couple yeah. months ago, but Ring Fit is a very good game. I remember our friend of the show, John, uh, playing that at his house back in 2000 and gosh, 2019, I guess it was, playing that mm-hmm. and thinking it was just an absolute gem of a game, a really neat game to play on Switch, very reminiscent of the Wii Fit days, but sort of brought into the uh, the new era of motion yeah. controls and gyro controls and whatnot. So good story, nice little campaign. Uh, our, friends, our, our friends have lost a ton of weight playing this game and have gotten into uh, fitness routines, which has been really neat. So whatever I, it takes to- I played this to, game too. I love it. It's a great game. Yeah. Oh, it got a huge bump last year during COVID and the lockdown and gyms being closed. Yeah. So great to see it in the top 10. I, lo- I love this list, actually. This is really cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if a game like Metroid is going to come up into the top 10. It's going to be perhaps, hard because, because yeah. the thing is, is that all these games grow. There's no games mm-hmm. here that have stayed stagnant, which <sighs> I think is insane because almost like think of any other console for their games other than maybe you know like a gta most of those games are staying stagnant you know fifa Mm -hmm. 20 comes out and then that's it it's not moving it's not getting more people aren't buying more of it uh after that you know six month run really where breath of the wild is just constantly evolving like it's Mm -hmm. every it seems like it's a uh every quarter it's make it's like another two million or sold it's it's, it's nuts yeah, on average, Breath of the Wild, just take that for example, it's sold about $5 million a year consistently for yeah. five years. That That's a great cash cow, and that's just one of the games here in the top 10. Yeah. And every game here in the top 10 is easily a must-own for the Switch, uh, whether or not you like Animal Crossing or not, like me. Uh, there's probably something there that you're going to enjoy. And even Mario Party, which is not my favorite Mario Party by a long shot, it's got that fantastic baseball minigame in there that we like <laughs> yeah. to play. That, that alone that. is worth the price of admission, that that baseball <laughs> minigame. And the so Pokemon good. games and Splatoon 2 is great. So really happy with this list now. Very happy that Mario and Luigi got knocked off. So uh, can't, <laughs> wait to, uh, can't wait to look at this list again in uh, three more months when we come back to our segment, NFTs. Yeah, we'll come back to our NFTs, but our other favorite segment is here, Neil. It's time for the mailbag. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show, you can do so by leaving us a review on whatever podcast service you listen to us on, or you can send us a nice message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We will read it in the podcast in this mailbag segment. Typically, we read reviews and uh, or uh, improvements that we can make on the show. Uh, but this week, Mike, we actually got a response back from one of our uh, worldwide listeners, uh, someone from another country than our own. Prestige uh, to- worldwide. Prestige Worldwide. We were asking someone from ideally Europe to let us know what it's like to play Call of Duty in another region, just to know like what mm-hmm. censorship is like, what differences there are. And we got a response back from a listener with the username way overrated on Instagram, and they are from Italy, Mike. Oh, very nice. Ciao. Yeah. Yep. Ciao. Ciao. Way overrated wanted to say, hi guys. Just wanted to give you a quick response regarding how does it feel to play Call of Duty if you're not American. I am not German, but I am Italian and Well, my country wasn't on the right side of the conflict, but let me start by saying that Italy doesn't have the same sort of censorship on Nazi fascist imagery. So we always got the full COD slash Medal of Honor experience. So we're throwing in both franchises here. That's good to know, actually. Uh, Honestly, Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't know that. I wasn't sure what Italy's kind of censorship would be. Yeah, I mean, you you instantly go to Germany when you think of World War One and Two, so it, it's nice to get an Italian uh, side mm-hmm. of the of the conflict. We didn't even think of that last week, I don't think. Uh, but way overrated continues to say. To be honest, if you stop and think about it, it can be pretty weird to play an American soldier in those kind of games, walking past the streets of Europe. Call of Duty, in particular, with the patriotic quotes shown on screen after you die, uh, yeah. is a what strange are you beast. About that? Yeah, because sometimes it truly feels as military propaganda the game. It's a very American point of view in which the conflict is strictly between the U.S. slash U.K. versus the Nazis. Mm -hmm. Lots of Italian levels which never take into account the resistance which fought heroically against the Nazis and the Italian fascist dictatorship. What Mm -hmm. a pity. Because it would be super cool and it would make it a little more interesting. To be clear, I don't mind playing as a U.S. slash U.K. soldier. It's just that even the occasional Soviet portion of the campaign feels like a bland reskin of their American counterpart. Yeah. It's a strictly American point of view, one that doesn't take into account a lot of stuff that happened, and it's okay. It's a video game after all. Plus, maybe mm-hmm. it's better this way. Look at what happened with Modern Warfare 1 and 2 with the infamous <laughs> airport mission and the Cheney slash Rumsfeld quotes. Uh, Thanks yes. for the podcast, guys. <laughs> it's amazing, and I can't stop listening to it. Ciao. Wow. Awesome. That, yeah. Thank you very much, Way Overrated. That that was a very succinct um, response for that and just something that we would have never thought of before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love I love getting global uh, global listeners, you know, uh, responding to stuff like that. Obviously, we love our American listeners. We love our Canadian listeners. But but we, we basically got the same game and the same experience of those games. So it's really fun mm-hmm. to talk to people from other countries, other regions who played these games, sometimes they were a little different than ours and, and what their experiences of, of them were. I think that there's a really big opportunity for, maybe not on Switch, but just in video games in general, where like I think we could have more historically accurate military games now. I would love something that is a bit more from the alternate side and see, like really dive deep into some of these battles, some of these conflicts. Like, like games are already super mature. It's usually zany, wacky violence, like from a GTA game or, or you know, Resident Evil. Like I think that gamers have matured enough to to play something that's a little bit more historically accurate and call of duty has definitely switched over to more of a multiplayer service game and Mm -hmm. they don't put as much time and effort into the campaigns anymore i think even a couple years ago they put out a call of duty game without a campaign i can't remember now but it might have been that uh i might be thinking of that war zones the kind of uh what is it the free to play the um uh the battle royale style yeah 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 so like there's definitely perfect like opportunity for a game like medal of honor to come back and do it or a a completely new franchise it doesn't have to be 
you know, a big multiplayer experience. I just want like a single player game. It can be like 20 to 30 hours, something like Last of Us Part Two, uh, but that's specifically based only in a world war or something a little bit more recent like Korea or Vietnam. I think that there's a great opportunity to make some of these games a little bit more educational and, and interactive at the same time. Uh, it is tough though to do that and also still be um, respectful to the veterans and to the survivors and their families, of course. Uh, it's a very difficult line to skate, especially since this episode specifically will be going live on Remembrance Day. And, uh, you know, our, our hearts go out to all the people out there who are serving for their countries, whether you're serving for Canada, U.S., Britain, Italy, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage to do that and something that I could never think of doing uh, unless specifically forced to do so. So uh, thank you to everyone out there for your continued service. Um, but that's probably enough talk about war, Mike. Shall we move on with the episode? <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll move on to a non-war-based game, uh, although I think there's a war somewhere in there with characters. Oh, you're talking about uh, a tennis battle, I'm assuming, correct? Yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 72 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 335 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. Camelot. Oh, and Camelot. Last week, we covered <laughs> Call of Duty and Dead to Rights for some weird reason. This week, we are looking back on Mario Power Tennis, one of the best games in the Mario Tennis series, and frankly, one of the best Mario sports games of all time during the golden era of Mario sports games. Mario mm -hmm. Tennis is a fantastic GameCube game. It's a great game in general. You and I have both been playing it a bunch this week. Uh, mm -hmm. But before we talk about uh, our view of the game uh, through 2021 lens, let's go back all the way back to 2004. Uh, Mike, what are your memories of playing this game for the first time? Oh, yes. Well, I remember this very vividly, Neil, when I first played this game. Uh, as a kid, for whatever reason, I never actually owned this game, if you can believe it. Uh, however, I put in dozens of hours into it. How How did I do this? Well, this is a true story. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I would go to Blockbuster uh, and... I would go rent this game once a month for at least a year. A true story. I kid you not. I don't know why my parents just didn't wow. buy me the game, yeah. but I went and rented it. Got that seven-day rental at least once a month. I played that game and rented that game so many times, uh, wow. and I never bought it. I don't know why. I, I was ten years old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we do. We don't think when when we're that age. So, no. and I guess my parents didn't either or didn't understand. They, they might not even realize that I was renting the same game <laughs> over and over, but mm. um, uh, I loved it every minute of it. I I had a great time playing it when I was a kid, and when I got back into gaming in university around 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. uh, this was the first game I looked for for GameCube uh, and bought. Uh, mm. It was uh, it was about $30, I think, at the time, uh, if I remember okay. correctly, and uh, that is the best $30 I've ever spent because... Yep. I've been playing this game with family and friends for years now, since yeah, since probably 2012 or 2013, and I really can't think of another game that people get so into when they first play. And like people who they, they don't have to have ever played video games before, but mm -hmm. anyone can pick it up and play it, and you really do get into it. The veracity of playing doubles 
is just so insane. Yeah. It's so lightning quick that at first it just seems like whoever clicks A the fastest wins. Mm-hmm. But then you play again and again and you realize that you can do some drop shots, you can do lob shots, you can change the angle of your shots as well if you get good enough. And soon enough, you, you, you get really, really into this game. And I think that's what makes this game so good is that it's easy to learn but it's hard mm-hmm. to master and i think that's like yeah skating that line perfectly is what these mario sports games did in this era and this is a perfect example of it yeah you you nailed it perfectly about just being easy to learn and, and difficult to master because this game stripped down to its very core is pong like tennis yep. is just pong which is one of the very first video games that anybody ever played uh, there, there's a lot more layers on top of it obviously you've got tons of characters, different courses. You've got the the ultimate power shots, which are incredibly fun to use. My memory of playing this game was, uh, like you, Mike, I didn't own this game as a kid either. I, I bought mm. this one way later. Uh, at least you, you bought and I, it. <laughs> <laughs> at least I bought it. Yeah, it's a, it's a ter- it was a terrific buy. I can't remember how much I spent on it now. It might have been 30 or 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about the price, what it's at today. But my earliest memory was playing this game back in probably 2004, 2005. I played this at a friend's house, a mutual friend of ours through hockey. Uh, We'll just call him Tom. You know who I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I played this at his house (laughs) in his room. He had a little CRT set up. Like, it might have been a 13, 14-inch CRT. Oh, yeah, I had one of those, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Those were bad. Like, if you had one of those in your room back in the day, you were a king with a GameCube to boot. (laughs) And uh, we were over at his parents' house for dinner, or our parents were getting together for dinner. So, like, a barbecue there in the backyard. And uh, he had a GameCube set up in his bedroom. And uh, I I was like, you know, what games do you have? And he had a couple random games here and there. And there was Mario Power Tennis sitting there. And I didn't even know Mario Tennis on N64. This was the first time I had ever seen Mario anything tennis. Yeah, um, and we played that game all night, like just match after match, singles, doubles, just him and I. Uh, I was addicted to the power shots, like like you felt so powerful when like your your tennis racket lit up, and then your character, depending on who you were, if you were Mario with the hammer or Donkey Kong with the barrel blast, just mm-hmm. anything. Like it, it was the animations were just so neat, and and I remember wanting to. I must have had such a short memory as a kid because I remember absolutely loving it for like a day after that, talking about it nonstop, looking for it at Blockbuster maybe once or twice, but I couldn't find it because I guess yeah, you had it on rental. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're the one who had it all this time. Uh, so eventually I just forgot about it and moved on to other things. But uh, yeah, eventually found it years later, bought it on GameCube. And uh, this week I've been playing it to death every night, uh, just two hours after dinner before bed, just match after match like okay one more game one more game and then of course (laughs) everybody knows oh my god it's so addicting because they get you where like the first couple matches in a tournament are very short because they they're just two sets or whatever it is and then the last set of every tournament is five sets so some of these games like they're 45 minutes oh yeah oh easily (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like like I started one match one night this week at uh, it was like ten thirty, and I like to try and get to bed by eleven, just because mm-hmm. I get up early to go to the gym every morning. And uh, I didn't get into bed until eleven thirty because it was just me and Peach <laughs> just going back and forth to advantage, to deuce, to advantage, to deuce, to advantage, like just back and forth. And I was like, no, I got to like my eyes were like burning into my skull. Like I haven't <laughs> I haven't had this experience with a video game, playing a game for like honestly a really long time i've taken a bit of time off playing games like this uh late into the night just nothing's really hooked me until mario power tennis of all games <laughs> <That's> <laughs> i've been amazing. playing this game for hours every night and then even today you know we were a little bit later starting to record and i was like terrific i'm gonna play some mario tennis and uh i played the gimmick <laughs> i was playing the gimmick tournament uh just for fun yeah and uh my god man there's some it's just such a clever game such incredible characters 
so yeah, that, that kind of brings me up to current day playing Mario Power Tennis. I played it once at a friend's house at a backyard barbecue and then <laughs> never again until college, university, played that a few times. And now this week, just being completely engrossed in it and absolutely adoring it. It is by far, I think we can both agree, it is by far the best game in the series. But uh, do, do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would agree. We'll, we'll talk about the history in a, in a second here. Um, but I think tennis video games in general, because I thought you were also going to say this is probably the best tennis game on the GameCube, and obviously it is. That's a no contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sure. um, uh, tennis video games, I find, often suffer because of the way that the game of tennis just is in general. Because mm-hmm. it's a war of attrition, right? You're trying to wear down the other opponent uh, right. rather than outright beat them most of the time. That's basically what tennis is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it can make tennis games quite a dull affair uh, because a lot of the time, or a lot of your time and effort is spent just mastering the controls and playing in these cool stadiums with your favorite players, which is actually really hard to do in most tennis games. So check out our mm-hmm. tennis episode from earlier this year <laughs> where I rant about it. Yep. But Mario Power Tennis, on the other hand, really gets you into the game. And I think a lot of this is to do to actually the court sizes. I was doing some comparison, Neil, okay. uh, doing a little bit of research this week. And the court is much smaller than a normal tennis uh, a tennis court would be in a video game. And I okay. actually matched them up with the, the Mario Tennis Aces game, which just came out a couple of years ago for the Switch, and then this game. And the Mario Tennis Aces court is actually quite a bit bigger. It's about yeah. 15 to 20% bigger. Mm. And when okay. the court feels so small, you you're playing you're not really playing tennis anymore. You're playing ping pong, mm-hmm. and I think this was an ingenious development choice by Camelot because to understand how to make an arcadey tennis game without being too wacky, but while still having some realism, mm-hmm. is is really really tough to do. And you know, in power tennis, almost any character other than maybe Wario can can reach the entire court right yeah. at any moment. You can always get to the other end of the court. Where like in Aces. Um, the character's hitboxes, if you will, are, are so much smaller uh, that it makes it difficult to do consistent returns. And so you don't get those rallies like you were talking about with Peach, where mm-hmm. it's just constant, like, oh, my God, like, we're, I'm getting everything back. And it's it's yeah. this just really fun way to play the game. Yeah. And the, the later Mario Tennis game, specifically, I'm thinking the one on Wii U, which is bad and then the one on switch they incorporated this kind of jump mechanic i remember i haven't played the switch one in a while so i don't know if i'm mixing up my games now but they incorporated kind of like a jump across court to get to a ball that was really hard to reach sort of the sort of the uh sort of the uh similarity between that and on mario power tennis where uh if you hold down on r and then click b you do your defensive smash where you kind of teleport from one end of the court to the other. I think that they wanted to make the courts bigger, maybe to uh, t- to make some better animations, honestly, like some smash Probably. animations. Yeah, they can they can do more with that. Um, but it is funny, though, like when you play Mario Power Tennis, because you're right, the court is too small. Uh, I love playing as Wiggler in Mario Power Tennis because he takes up <laughs> 75% of the bloody court, <laughs> where like he doesn't even have to really move. Uh, but he, he's, he's standing on like his two little stupid feet. Like he's got like he's yeah. got standing upright like a human. He looks so weird. I love um, it so much. But yeah, like the court size and then the character size as well is, is really hilarious to watch. Like Bowser doesn't have to move either. Uh, Boo Ghost or Shy Guy has to move all over the place. Um, so it's really funny to watch and just... I love the Mario sports games because unlike Mario Kart from this generation, you really get to see the characters' uh, personalities come out to shine. Yes. Uh, like the characters kind of have like their win animations. They have their their uh, their catchphrases to say after the matches. 
Uh, you, they have some. They have an incredible opening cutscene, which we can talk about, as well as bloopers at the very end of the game as well, which has never been seen in another Mario game before. No, that was so. I completely forgot about that until I did tournament mode. Yeah. And because once you once you win, you get the credits that roll, and as the credits are rolling, every you know ten seconds or so, you see another blooper reel. Uh, yeah. It's it's mostly Wario and Waluigi, <laughs> just like them getting chased by the cops in the game, uh, <laughs> them like stumbling over stuff, like and sometimes they're like, they're like laughing to each other, and then there's like a there's a boom night mic, Neil. There's an actual yeah. boom mic that that is in the <laughs> shot, so they have to cut it. I was like, I just was laughing. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is so this this was probably just like one person's uh, idea at Camelot. It was like, what if we just do something like, like this? And mm-hmm. they're like, if you have free time. <laughs> Go ahead, just have fun and and do this. And and Nintendo is missing a lot of that kind of stuff nowadays, and it's a little mm-hmm. too bad because that does give this game so much more personality than something like Aces. Yeah, they brought it back a little bit with Mario Golf. Um, Mario Tennis Aces was lacking a little bit of personality. I think that game First doesn't. Feel... Yeah, it's very. It's just a very generic sports game. Mario Golf it has brought it back a little bit, especially with Wario and that fan fantastic outfit that we gushed about <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> earlier this year uh but yeah the blooper reel I, I wasn't even expecting that i didn't remember it from when i played it a couple years back all the way through for the first time but mm-hmm. i was just like i said playing it the other <laughs> night and then you know i was ready to go to bed it was 11 30 but then the credits started to roll and i was just watching these bloopers instead with the boom mic and the camera guys messing up or the characters <laughs> yeah. screwing up their lines i was really yeah, getting vibes the lines of too was good. yeah and it's just so stupid like you can really see early influences of them wanting to do a movie again. Like right now, we're going to get some random animated film with Chris Pratt, which we'll see. Um, but yep, <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, I was really getting vibes of like, do you remember Toy Story two? They did this at the end of that movie as well. Yep. Which uh, I, I thought of that. I thought of um, I thought of Cars as well when they do yes. the they're they're doing that blooper reel with John Rassenberger seeing himself mm-hmm. in all the different yeah. versions. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, like Pixar is very good with that kind of stuff, and and mm-hmm. Nintendo kind of bore that idea or just like was inspired by it or something Mm -hmm. i guess so it's just such a random thing to do with a video game or or an animated film because obviously there's no bloopers in these (laughs) movies but it makes the characters feel like that they're real people outside of the game which is it's nice to see and no other video game franchise really could get away with something like this other than nintendo like imagine at the end of last of us you just get a blooper reel like you know or something something like that like end of spider-man on ps4 just something like a little bit more gritty and you know trying to be completely world building nintendo are okay to kind of knock themselves down a peg Uh, and specifically camelot which i really want to talk about them right now but why don't we talk about mario tennis as a series just in general and a bit of the history around it because it's really interesting and it's uh it's really fun to talk about so uh camelot studios they're the developer of uh, mario tennis and mario golf they developed all these games back in the day uh and they created waluigi to make a waluigi actually came from mario tennis to be a partner for for wario so mario tennis 64 yeah that was Mm -hmm. his first ever appearance uh he yep. uh, yeah he was infamously introduced because yeah they needed a partner for Wario because there was like <laughs> Daisy Peach Mario Luigi Diki mm-hmm. Diki Junior is in that game um, he's of course voiced by the great Charles Martinet who described Waluigi as someone who has a lot of self pity and would cheat to win <laughs> and when they asked Martinet whether Waluigi was a brother to Wario because we still haven't figured out what Waluigi's relationship is to anyone here um, mm. Martinet stated that while he did not know he felt that they were just two nice evil guys who found each other. I like that a lot. 
I do too, and it makes me think back to a couple weeks or months ago now where we kind of talked about uh, Nintendo Movie and how I would love a Wario and Waluigi movie or standalone game. This mm-hmm. this Mario Tennis game just solidifies that thought even more. I think these characters are so great. They're one of the more underutilized characters in the Nintendo uh franchise or in the nintendo pantheon of games we did get WarioWare this year which was nice yes. uh but yeah i just thinking waluigi of War- where? where's waluigi where? <laughs> waluigi where <laughs> just thinking of waluigi now in this game i just get so mad he's a net rusher dude he rushes that net every single time and it pisses me off <laughs> and he's got the little uh when the game starts up uh he wario holds up the nintendo sign saying mm-hmm. nintendo and then waluigi uh cleverly enough uh holds up the camelot sign saying camelot <laughs> There's so much love for Wario and Waluigi in these games. Like, there's even a WarioWare course in the gimmick stages, which yep. is my favorite one. Uh, it's the one where uh, the um, the platform, or the conveyor belts are moving uh, side to side and back and forth, depending on what arrow you hit with the ball with your opponent. You can really screw over the other opponent, and it's probably the course that has the most the most strategy to it. Yeah, um, but. Uh, well, we can talk about those courses a little bit more when we have our uh, our guests come on. But Mario Tennis as a franchise dates back actually before the N64, Mike. This game was on the Virtual Boy in Japan only. Yeah, so the the 64 one is considered the actual first installment. But mm-hmm. technically, yes, there was a Mario's Tennis, mm-hmm. uh, which was released for the Virtual Boy only in Japan. And I know nothing about this game. <laughs> no. I think it was probably the best for I think it was considered the best Virtual Boy game. It is one of the more sought after games for collectors these days. Sure. The few Virtual Boy collectors that there are. I think <laughs> I found that only like eight thousand copies of that game sold. I don't know if that's correct or not. Uh, I mean but- that- would probably check out to be honest probably yeah but yeah we obviously have no experience playing that game the series did get its official quote-unquote start on the n64 back in 2000 and since then the series has seen releases on game boy color gamecube game boy advance wii 3ds wii u and switch uh, the very first game, like I said, came out in 1995, and then the most recent game was Mario Tennis Aces in 2018 on Switch. So there's nine games overall, a total sales of 12.38 million units worldwide. 1.1 million of those is on GameCube, and the highest selling one being Mario Tennis Aces on Switch at 3.29 million units, uh, making it not only the best-selling Mario Tennis game, but it's actually the best-selling Mario sports game, uh, not counting Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Yeah, the Mario sports games, we talked about that quite recently with the Mario Golf Toadstool Tour episode. Um, mm-hmm. Tennis is usually where they make their money and everything else is, seems to be kind of at a um, break even almost. Uh, they, yeah. they don't Mario sports games don't traditionally do that well, or at least they didn't, but who knows mm-hmm. what will happen in the future. Uh, you mentioned the Game Boy Advance version of Mario yes. Tennis, Mario Tennis Power Tour. Uh, that is actually a really good game. Mm-hmm. And it scores oftentimes one of the highest ratings. I didn't realize that it was rated so well until I was doing a little bit of, you know, top 10 Mario Tennis games and stuff <laughs> like that. And that one was actually consistently one or two, uh, yeah. which I was really impressed with. Uh, Camelot did a really good job creating that because they, they they did the Game Boy Advance version. Mm-hmm. And um, a Power Tour even allowed players to earn and upgrade more than 40 different power shots, which they could equip for various playstyles, which was really cool but the 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 game surprisingly didn't feature any connectivity to power tennis yeah uh, for that the w- gamecube 
that was the biggest miss for me. It was like, what? It doesn't connect to the to the GameCube. Yeah, it where it of... seems like everything in this generation connects in some stupid way. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the one that I think I would actually want to be connected, and it's, it, they don't have that connectivity, which sucks. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what they could have done with the, except for maybe some characters going back and forth. Like there's uh there's random non Nintendo playable characters in the Game Boy Advance game, like Elroy, Tori, Whisker, some random yeah. like human playable characters. It yes. reminded me a lot of Mario Golf. This is still in that era where Mario Golf was also very early on, and they had uh, human characters that you could play as as well. But yeah, it would have been neat to have maybe mini games going back and forth. Like the Game Boy Advance Mario Tennis game uh, features 12 uh, mini games, which are actually really yeah. fun. I was looking at gameplay of them and they reminded me a lot of some WarioWare mini games. So it would have been neat to have those maybe to be like if you hook up your Game Boy Advance to the GameCube, then maybe you can play those games on your GameCube or take some mini games from your GameCube on the go on your Game Boy Advance. There's just, th- there was a lot of opportunity that was missed out with that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think there, there's a couple of things from that game that I, I'd like to have been brought to Power Tennis. And we're going to talk about that later with our mm-hmm. guests in terms of what we would like to see improved with Mario Power Tennis. Uh, so I think now's a good time then to introduce the game, Neil. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's introduce the game and then we'll start bringing on some of our guests and uh, and we'll hear some of their uh, fond memories of Mario Power Tennis. Mm-hmm. So Mario Power Tennis was released on August 11th, 2004. It's developed by Camelot Software Planning, a studio that you and I both love. It's published by Nintendo. It's only on GameCube, but technically there is the Wii port in 2009, which we're we not really... We don't talk about it. <laughs> it rates an 8 out of 10, which is terrific. Uh, FU Edge Magazine, by the way, they gave this game a 5 out of 10. What? Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. They, they really do trash on Mario Tennis, though, just looking at their history, like even Mario Tennis Aces, which I think they gave that game also around a 5 or a 6, uh, which yeah. is it, it's good, but I don't think it's that bad. Um, so, yeah. Even Edge 64 Magazine. they trashed, too, because 64 is a great game. I don't know. I can't remember now. I was just I was just too mad about the GameCube review. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But but reviews are just one person's opinion, and it doesn't really matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. But it's just funny to just see objectively like, wrong. Exactly, and it's just like you know everyone else giving this game high eights, low nines in some cases, and then the, the, and then this one magazine just shooting a five at it. But if you wanted to pick up Mario Power Tennis today, you'd be looking at about fifty dollars. This is of course the sequel to Mario Tennis on N sixty four, and is the fourth game in the series. So, Mike, why don't we introduce the first caller to the show for the day? Who's joining us today? Joining us today now is Matt, who was on a couple weeks ago, actually, for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We had a lot of good stuff to say about that game. Well, some good mm-hmm. stuff to say about yeah. that game, at least. <laughs> uh, this game, we have a lot of good stuff to say about, though. Mario Power Tennis. And our first question to you, Matt, is who is your favorite character in this game? Yeah, well, first, yeah, thanks for having me on. Love to be on the show. Um, yeah, right, getting right into it. Characters. Uh, it's got to be It's got to be the obvious one. It's got to be Wiggler. Good. Good. Um, nice. I'm someone who's always loved like cheap elements of a game that are still that are still comical. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll say that now. It has to still be comical because that might come up later. Like knickknack. That, that's exactly who I wrote down. I wrote yeah. down knickknack. Like <laughs> someone who's too small to hit a night fire. That uh, even if even if it's cheap, you're laughing because it's just so funny that there's someone that small in the game, and then that's the mechanic of the game to be small and not being able to hit them. <laughs> Right. Uh, Wiggler has that same aspect that he's just so big that whenever he hits it, it's just immense power that you can't get back. Crazy angle that the point's over, but even though it's cheap, every single time it's a laugh. 
it's oh my god that's that's just not fair it's stuff like that cheap elements that are still comical that that's what i really enjoy in games even though it's cheap there wiggler wasn't overpowered either Mm -hmm. like you really had to have a wiggler Mm -hmm. strategy or a wiggler lineup you had to pick someone who was fast to compliment him because he could only play at the net so yeah it has that cheap element that's really funny but uh it's yeah it still didn't end the game necessarily if somebody had wiggler so yeah when i think of Mario Par- uh, Power Tennis, I think of Wiggler, absolutely. <laughs> Not to even mention the uh, wh- whether you win or lose, that he <laughs> when he gets angry or turns into a t- turns into a butterfly if you win. I forgot about that, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The, the angry yeah. Wiggler is, is hilarious. Uh, the classic uh, where, where Wiggler becomes all red. He's By, by the way, for people mm-hmm. who don't know what Wiggler is, we've been mentioning his name a thousand times already. He's the big caterpillar enemy in Mario, mm-hmm. in Super Mario World. Uh, you'll find him walking mm-hmm. around there, and if you touch him, he gets all mad and angry and goes red, and he does the same thing if he loses. I love the losing and winning animations in this game. Uh, it gives a lot of light yeah. to the characters, and yeah, when he wins, he becomes um, uh, uh, Flutter, I think, is is the guy's name, the the butterfly. Yeah, I think that, that sounds right, and it's great that you associate Wiggler with GameCube, uh, with Mario Power Tennis, because like Fly Guy, Wiggler is actually exclusive to the GameCube version of Mario Tennis. He doesn't appear in any other game. Uh, he wasn't in the N64 one, and then he was not in the, the Mario Tennis Aces on Switch. I can't even Switch. think of he was uh, so- a playable character in anything. Like now, no, now that I like, think about I, it, yeah, like I, I would be great to see him in Smash or something. But it, 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 yeah, he, <laughs> Wiggler for Smash, please. <laughs> we, oh, we're not going to start a Smash ballot again, please. No, but uh, yeah, it's hilarious to see him on the stage because not only is he big, but he's incredibly long. Like he can stretch across the court, so he's incredibly cheap in that sense. If he was a power character like a Bowser or a Donkey Kong, it would just be unfair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Luckily, he's more of a defense character. Uh, that's what his skill set is more geared towards. So yeah, you want him up at the front in front of the net, like you said, Matt, and then have someone who's fast behind you to cover any of the uh, shots going diagonally to the corners. Uh, but he's got one of the best powers, power shots in the game. The anger, it's called anger management. And he basically just goes like really red, really angry, like he does in Super Mario Sunshine, which this game is full of Mario Sunshine references, uh, which he does when you make him angry on his little beach there. And he does that while playing tennis. So he's a lethal character when he gets angry. And you mentioned he's a defense character, and uh, everyone in this game, every character has their own skill set, uh, necessarily. So, uh, I mean, I'm just going to take some time here and list off all the characters in this game. I'm going to see what their skill set is as well, uh, along with them. We got Mario, who's the all-around. Luigi, also all-around. You know, they're the only two all-around ones. They're the boring ones. You know, it's, that's it's standard like, for yeah. every Mario game as well. That's, that's yes. sort of what's great yeah. about these kind of games is you can go into it already knowing who's going to be good at what. You know that the villains are always powerhouses and you know that the <laughs> heroes that are just Mario and Luigi are, are all... So even what are we thinking of? Uh, Super, even Super Smash Bros. They're very basic characters that yeah. are, are sort of good at everything. They're mobile. They have some strong attacks and... It's just nice to go into these games, and you don't have to test every hero ahead of time. You know what you're getting out of them. That 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 is mm-hmm. a very good point. Just in like the Mario franchise in general, because you know, with that, we got Peach and Daisy now. Technique, uh, if you can mm-hmm. even think of a Smash in that aspect as well. They're not power uh, hitters in Smash or any other game. They're often the the technique uh, players who who have really good shots. And if you're if you're a really good player at this game, Peach and Daisy are actually two of the best characters to pick. 
um, yep. just because you can do some really nice shots and different techniques with them. Uh, of course, we have Wario, who is all power. I mean, look at that body. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's made for power hitting. Uh, Waluigi, Girl, look at that body. <laughs> Waluigi with the defense, <laughs> that length. that Because uh, Wario's got the girth. Waluigi's <laughs> got the, 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 the lankiness. Adrian Brody got, really got in shape for this role today. <laughs> uh, Bowser with the power. DK with the power, obviously. Um, uh, mm-hmm. DK who... I forget if it's in this one that he, how he holds his racket, but it's always just like, he's like dangling it almost. He's not holding it properly. <laughs> Doesn't he hold it with his tail in one of the games? Yeah. Well, I, Diddy, Diddy, I think holds it with his tail and Diddy's all speed uh, as long Diddy, as uh, right. uh, with Yoshi. Yoshi and Diddy are the speed characters um, mm-hmm. as well as Koopa. Uh, he is a speed char- character. Koopa also just um, side note is my favorite character to play as because mm-hmm. you can roll around with him as the shell. I know Matt likes playing yeah. with him too. <laughs> so I, I think Diddy Kong was my my favorite. That uh, yeah, you, you definitely can get to it faster with the rolling shell. But I, I think I, I'd get tripped up a few times. So I, I stuck to Diddy Kong almost exclusively. Yeah, Diddy Kong's got Sweet. the speed, uh, and so does Yoshi. Like I said, and then we have the tricky characters with Bowser Jr., uh, Boo, Fl- and Fly Guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fly Guy especially, um, and tricky. What tricky means is that's really just your your B button, which is your kind of curved shot that you'll be hitting mm-hmm. and fly guy serve is uh is not fair it's uh <laughs> it's so stupid because it, it it goes completely off the court basically you you click b do a serve and it it curls just in no physics like physics doesn't exist on his on his shots uh that's all i can say yeah because you, you already have a number of technique characters who have crazy spin and then fly guy brings it to another level <laughs> yeah. that you think okay no this is a skilled guy it's gonna curve this far and it's, it's twice as far as you're expecting and we we have a lot of experience playing fly guy because uh friend of the show jeff that, that's his favorite character and he only uses b as well he's, he's never tried a on fly guy <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the meta knight he's the meta knight yeah. of mario power tennis i feel kind of it feels kind of cheap that they put fly guy and shy guy in here like really it, that that feels like the worst the kind difference? of character yeah. duo i know you just put a propeller on the other guy's head to make fly guy or to make shy guy a fly guy i would much have preferred if they had put toad in the game uh, uh, instead of shy guy yes and then and keep keep fly guy in there because he looks cool he, he's, he's fine uh, but I don't need both. Definitely same not. with Paratroopa and and Koopa as well. It's the same idea. Paratroopa sure. also in this game uh, yeah. uh, as a technique player. Uh, by the way, the four unlockable characters are Fly Guy, Paratroopa, and then of course Wiggler is defense, and then PD Piranha as all power. And PD mm-hmm. Piranha in this game is the idea of him is a lot better than the like the reality. Uh, PD Piranha. It didn't work out as well as it did when they put him in Smash. <laughs> because he's the one thing is that that's funny is that he's so big that he <laughs> that he, yes. uh, he completely uh, blinds everyone in front of him because you really can't mm-hmm. see if you're right at the net with him you can't see anything and if you you can't put the shot over him you can't lob it because he's just going to smack it. Um, problem is is that he yeah. can't get anything on the baseline at all (laughs) (laughs) the best way to describe seeing pd piranha on on the court with everyone else is like when you walk past a playground and there's three or four kindergartners on the playground and then you just have a 14 year old on the (laughs) playground playing with them that's probably the best way i can think of describing it it's just a little bit off-putting to see this giant plant wearing a diaper uh he's too big for his age i don't know how old he's supposed to be 
He is intimidating, though. Like, I'd be terrified to play tennis against Petey Piranha. I would take on anybody else in this game other than him. He's horrifying. He is. <laughs> I completely forgot about Petey Piranha because I, I, th- I don't think we had him unlocked the first uh, few times we played that. And then right. uh, one time we had mm-hmm. him unlocked, and I know there was a few combinations of Wiggler and Petey Piranha. And it's just a race to get them to the front. And once they get to the net, it's over. <laughs> but it's a race, and they're so slow. So you got to drop it before they get there. So... I uh, dev- definitely have some uh, night- re- reoccurring nightmares from those matches. I'm watching a match right now while we're talking, and it's Petey Piranha and Wiggler versus Mario and Luigi. This is no contest. So that's just unfair. <laughs> that- that's unfair stacking right there. But just talking about unlocking, you mentioned playing the game. You know, you didn't have Petey Piranha unlocked. That's one of the things that this game does super well is unlocking characters and stages and everything. When you're when you're playing the game, you feel like that you're constantly unlocking things, which makes you feel like you're accomplishing things. Like every yeah. time you finish a tournament, you've unlocked Wiggler or you've unlocked Petey Piranha or Fly Guy for some weird reason. And and, uh, you know, you're excited now to go play the game with a friend or take it over to your cousin's house and show them this new character that you unlocked. Or now you can go play on Bowser's course or whatever it is. And I love games like that where, uh, I mean, Mario games have always been great at that, especially something like Smash Bros. Recent memory, like you're constantly unlocking things. I love that in these games and they make it easy, but also like like Mike and I talked about earlier in the episode, some of these matches you're playing for 45 minutes. So you really feel like you earned it when you finally do, you know, beat Wario on the final match. And then you've unlocked this, this course to go play later on. A hundred percent. And Matt, what are your, what are some of your favorite memories of playing this game? I know a lot of this game, um, uh, a lot of time spent on this game is being played with me, uh, obviously, but I know that you also own the Wii copy uh, of this game as well. Ooh. Wii and the Switch. So maybe not favorite memory, but I'm glad you brought that up. So I have the Wii and the Switch version, and just a common theme is that the GameCube just nailed all of these games for just being genuinely great gameplay-wise. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to compare this to Mario Strikers, because just such a big parallel here that... Uh, mm-hmm. At the GameCube version, they were just so just. This is just genuinely a great tennis game that you compare it to Wii Tennis, which is another <laughs> another really fun one. You have those same uh, endless battles at the net in this game that you see in memes of just going back and forth net battles. <laughs> uh, but the difference in this is that you still move your character. There's still a lot of different uh, combinations you can do. You do drop shots, lob shots that you can't do in Wii Tennis. I have other tennis games because we're a big tennis family and i can't think of anything that compares to we ten uh sorry uh mario power tennis on the gamecube as far as gameplay uh but then all of a sudden when you get to wii and switch they add in all these power shots that are just so unbelievably cheap that destroy the game and i think of mario strikers as well i love mario strikers on the gamecube and then Mm -hmm. it was mario strikers charged that you go over to your friend's house who mastered the the combination of holding the shot, and all of a sudden they'd get like 10 shots on your goalie and score 10 goals in a second based on that combination. And mm-hmm. I know you can turn those settings off in later games, but uh, all I remember is going out over to friends' houses and, and them mastering these cheap, these cheap shots by themselves for when people came over. So uh i i have the other games as you said on switch and Wii, and they're fun but they they just don't live up to the same mechanics uh that the gamecube games had as just c- really competing with uh, regular ea sports games or 2k games for uh for sports gameplay yeah that's that's a uh i mean there was those were all great points that you brought up there but that last one is a, a absolutely great point because 
looking back, it's just like, oh, this is kind of like an arcadey tennis game. But Nintendo was competing for that market, like at the same mm-hmm. time, like they were still competing for that that somewhat real sports game market. Uh, this was the golden era, like Neil said, uh, the beginning of the episode. This is the golden era of Mario sports games. We got Toadstool Tour, this Strikers, like you mentioned, Matt, and of course mm-hmm. uh, Mario Superstar Baseball, which is uh, one that's out of left field, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> and, and they uh, and Nintendo's really never gone back to this formula because this the GameCube was the last time they directly competed with these other consoles. And so it's funny looking back now and thinking like comparing Mario Tennis or any of these games to like the yeah, like an EA or 2K game uh, that that is like so realistic. Uh, but it, when you think about it, think of like NHL 04, right? We talked about how much that was like a great mix between arcadiness and realism. Well, obviously Mario Power Tennis doesn't have like the big name tennis people in it, but neither <laughs> did like any of the tennis games that you could buy at this time. <laughs> so right. this was honestly the best tennis game in its era by a long shot, uh, which is saying a lot for a game that is supposed to just be like a family friendly, fun game and super wacky. And then Power Shots too. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, you said how in the uh, the kind of port for the 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 Wii, and then obviously the Switch version, the power shots are like super super overpowered. Yeah, in, in the in, in the Switch one at least, that's what I've played the most recently. So if you get enough in your power in your bar, you get your power shot. Time stops, and you get an aimer from like a shooter game, and you can just aim yeah. anywhere yeah. on the court, and it's a guaranteed point, and it's a guaranteed point. Because this mm-hmm. one, like, we would often play without power shots. Um, uh, we, we would turn off the power shots. Sometimes we would play with them. But I, I, I genuinely just like playing this game as a normal tennis game. I think that's where it shines the most. But yeah. the power, having the power shots on still isn't a guarantee of you really getting anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, the, the power shots are not overpowered in any way uh they often go right at the person <laughs> yeah uh, and, and, and I, I seem to remember it just being a really hard shot and you just had to time it right and that's you, right and then, and then mm-hmm. you were back in the point yeah that's exactly yeah. it yeah but and there was some strategy to it as well because you could tell when the other character had a power shot ready to go as well because the, the rackets glowed yes um uh, so like if if you hit a power shot at them they can return it with their power return basically which is an automatic return and now you're both back to right where you were so it's kind of like a like a like a western where you're kind of like wondering who's gonna who's gonna fire the first shot you know like it's like a showdown and uh and then like you know maybe they fire it first and then you return it naturally and now you have a power shot ready to go and they have nothing so you're just gonna smash it to the other side of the court where they're not and they're probably not gonna get it back but yeah matt matt's right where like the um the newer game uh, mario tennis aces it is like an automatic win when you get that shot and uh, it's nice to it, it's With nice the to bar have too, right? I I, I hate yeah. that you can like like everything has to have a charge bar now. Like that's yeah. like the the golden rule of any new game is like everything has a meter uh, in some mm-hmm. in some way. And I kind of hate that. I like how Power Tennis does it. Where uh, I actually didn't know this until quite recently when I researched this game. But uh, depending on how your racket is glowing, that shows how strong that power shot is going to be. So if the the rocket gets like even more and more like bright, I guess, then the power shot is going to be a lot stronger than if you just get it immediately, basically. But the longer you hold it, you risk losing it too, which is kind of like a little bit of hot potato there. Because like if you have a charge racket and then 
Waluigi hits you with his tornado uh, power shot, you're going to lose your charge now. And I, I hate that damn, I hate his power shot, dude. So I hate that tornado so damn much. Because you're just, you can't move for like 10 seconds. It sucks. And we should also um, say that there are two different power shots. Every character has two power shots. Uh, mm-hmm. They have the actual offensive power shot, the one that we're mostly talking about here. But then there's also the defensive power shot, which is where you are far away from a ball. You click LR and you can kind of somewhat magically get to that ball. It's not going to be a winning shot or anything, but you'll be able to get it and keep it, keep the game going. Which you can already do with Koopa and a few other, and Boo. And, anyway, and even, even without that. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> and Matt, Matt, I got to ask you, because you said that you come from a, a tennis family. Would you prefer to have in 2021, have a really good AAA tennis game like FIFA, but with tennis, which we don't have anymore? We ne- I mean, we kind of did in the 2000s. We had a few tennis games out there. Would you rather have like a really good tennis game or a really good Mario tennis game? Uh, hands down, a really good Mario tennis game. Yeah. Interesting. Not even close. I- I've had real tennis games in the past, like mm-hmm. Top Spin or uh, I forget yeah. what they're called. We didn't play them that much. They weren't that great. No. Um, <laughs> and I played more than anything. I've played Wii Tennis, uh, mm-hmm. which at-, at the time I... I- I got into GameCube late because my generation was the Wii, but then got into GameCube later because uh, Mike always had the uh, uh, Mario Tennis on the GameCube. <laughs> but so I started off with uh, Wii Tennis, and I always remember the battles at the net, and that's what kept us playing. It's just those endless battles. Yeah. And then Mario Tennis introduced a very similar style of game, uh, yet with a few new mechanics that you, you could move instead of your guy always moving to the ball. And, uh, and also... Uh, choosing your spins a bit more precise so yeah i i as a tennis player I, i'm not looking to, to replicate the real game i'm just looking for a yeah. good time and i think I, i'll get a little off the question here with uh i think the target of most mario games is inclusiveness uh which this yep. game hits perfectly we play with uh, my brother who doesn't have a lot of experience playing video games um so if we ever just picked up a random shooter game uh, it wouldn't really be close because he doesn't have uh, just the background that I or Mike does. Uh, but mm-hmm. playing a Mario game like Mario Tennis, even though Mike and I can pick up the game a lot faster, do the combos, maybe we're dropping the shot or lobbing the shot every single time, uh, it's not a blowout ever because my no. brother, can he can keep the rally going. He knows A and B right away. He might not get the perfect mm-hmm. combo, but he can keep the rally going, and the teams are never unfair, especially when we're playing 2v2 and one person can do the uh, the more uh, per, what would you, Mortal Kombat style uh, <laughs> combos. Um, well, even like uh, like even someone who doesn't know the game that well can easily pick up the the more advanced controls, which are like the lob shot or the drop mm-hmm. shot, which are just B-A-A-B. And, you know, that's something that I think is really, really impressive for a game like this, where a lot of games are often like the Mortal Kombat style combos to try and figure something like figure out how to do a, just a standard drop shot or something. But, mm-hmm. uh, but this is just very simple, right? Just A-B or B-A and mm-hmm. anyone can get it immediately. And the way that the GameCube controller is laid out is actually yeah. really, really well done for a game like this. It works well. I was going to say exactly that. Like, I feel like we haven't said that in a, in a while now about how certain games are made for the GameCube controller. This is one that is definitely perfect for somebody who doesn't play a ton of games. You can look at the GameCube controller. You know, 
I need to be pressing A in this game, which you're, you're going to be pressing <laughs> A a lot. You pretty much can play this game by just pressing A. You need the, the, the left joystick and then the R button. And I don't think you need much else. I mean, yeah, you want to eventually be using B and you can do uh, like lunges eventually and, and whatnot. But uh, really just to play this game and have at least a little bit of fun, you only need two buttons and the joystick. Yeah, exactly my point. And yeah. Yeah, Mike's, Mike's making it sound like it's really easy to master lobs and uh, and drop shots. It does take a little practice because you yes. click those buttons and it doesn't work the, the first few times. So even before that level, you can get away with the game against someone who's a lot better than you. You might not win, but you'll keep the rally going just yes. with one button. Yeah, right. and that's, a, that's, a sign, that's just a sign of good game design, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about for this great game before we let you go? No, I, I think I covered all my points. I wrote a few things I wanted to include, and I hit on all of them. Those those were my points. <laughs> I absolutely lo love the game. I've played a, a lot of Mario Tennis, played the Switch version, the Wii version. I played a whole lot of game, uh, game Boy version as well. Played that on an emulator all throughout my undergraduate degree instead oh, of being in class. <laughs> now, was that the uh, the Game Boy Advance one? Uh, it must be the Game Boy Advance one. Yeah, there's an emulator online with all these games, and I beat that at least once a year in my uh, in my five year business degree, um, <laughs> and I can tell you that none of them compare at all to the the GameCube version. Just as far yeah. as inclusiveness, fairness, uh, the game, just mechanics of it, how well it just captures a tennis game in itself without yeah without becoming too much of a a cartoon Mario game in itself with mm -hmm. those overpowered uh, power shots <laughs> where you aim into the corners. Uh, so yeah, hands down. The best Mario Tennis game. Awesome. Great review. Terrific. Well, thank you very much, Matt, for coming on today. Uh, we really appreciate it always, and uh, we hope to talk to you again real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always, always happy to come on the podcast. Nice. <laughs> yeah, well, take care. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Matt, for coming on, as always, uh, talking about mm -hmm. Wiggler, because this podcast is really <laughs> dedicated to Wiggler. That's... Uh, that's what we this this whole seventy two episodes of has been leading up to, Neil. Yes, we're finally going to announce today, Mike, that this is the end of the Game Cuba School podcast. It was all leading up to this just for us to talk about Wiggler, so we could uh, cash in and leave. We're just kidding. We're obviously not ending now. We've got a lot of games to go. Wiggler is a really fun character, though. He's got a lot of personality, a lot of charm, which different. all of these characters do. Yeah, just a different character that you know we haven't seen. Honestly, the the only character I can think of since Wiggler in Mario Tennis is Wario in the newest Mario Golf. I can't think of too many other standout characters from a Mario sports game since then. And uh, like like you, Matt, and I were talking about earlier, this was the golden age of Mario sports games. Like they were all hits, no pun intended. The Wii and the Wii U were a bit of a lull. The Switch has brought it back quite a bit, uh, but like I still feel like that it's not back yet or it's not it may never be but it's definitely not to the level that it was back in the 2000s with the gamecube uh other than wario's fantastic new outfit of course of course yeah yeah no power tennis is just a fantastic game and we're going to keep talking about how great it is but we're also going to talk about some of the things that we would like to be improved or brought back in uh from the mario tennis 64 era uh, because that is also a great game and someone who knows a lot about that game neil is our friend of the show harrison who oh. just joined us here. Oh, okay, great. Well, Mike, I, I know that you said at the beginning of the episode that one of our callers uh, likes sleeping with the blinds open, and it wasn't Matt, so process of elimination <laughs> is telling me that it's Harrison. Uh, so bring him on. I, I have a bone to pick. Yeah, let's let's bring on Harrison here. Harrison, first of all, congratulations. This is your 10th appearance on the podcast. Amazing. It's like 
all the Rocky movies and all the Halloween movies, the tenth <laughs> one's the best one. <laughs> As, if I've learned anything, it's that the tenth installment of a series is always the best one. <laughs> For sure. That's where they hit their stride. <laughs> it's really where they hit their stride. But uh, yeah, Neil has a little bit of a bone to pick with you, Harrison, because process of elimination, like he said, uh, it turns out that you are the guest who slept with their blinds up. You're a blinds up sleeper, or at least you were at one point. Can you, can you tell us about that? Um, I don't know if I'm technically a blinds up sleeper because I didn't even have any blinds in, in, in university. <laughs> no blind sleeper. What? Yeah, I'm a no blind sleeper. I didn't have any blinds. Did you not live close to a blinds to go, which for everybody listening to this podcast is a store in Canada that only sells blinds for windows. Did you never like to go? Yeah, you could just walk in and leave with, with a set of blinds for your home. Harrison, but, are you not familiar with this establishment? But but there was no drive through so it wasn't like that, like blinds to go. Uh, did we live near a blinds to go, Mike? Either way, no, I did not think of investing in blinds. <laughs> it's such a bad name for a store. <laughs> I remember that this is bringing back a flashback to, to the first time I visited you and Mike in, uh, in London when you guys were in university. And I went up to your room because you had an upstairs room. Half of that bedroom was window and there's just nothing hanging on those windows. <laughs> they were bare. And I think it was a north-facing window, if I remember correctly. So I get, I guess that helps, but still, like that was mortifying to me to see. Like I can't imagine sleeping with less than two sets of blinds on a window. I felt bad for the people who looked into my room. I guess in the morning or <laughs> going to bed or whatever, because they could they could see everything. And, they got a and show. I and I wasn't I wasn't afraid to <laughs> to hide it. You know, show the world what uh, did you ever like what your mama gave you. <laughs> so did you, you like lion kinged it where like you stood out on pride rock and just like showed all of london and that busy street you guys lived on just what was going on in harrison's bedroom some days yes wow that's interesting well yeah. glad that we got to the bottom of that did you sleep okay best in years actually i think i was it was wow. amazing the 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 noise of the road was fantastic the noise of the house was great um the constant sunlight the constant I'm moonlight. gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> I didn't use an alarm clock when I was in university because of of the sun. I woke up with the sun. Yeah, clearly, you remind me of that episode of Seinfeld when Kramer like never sets an alarm. He just like kind of sets his alarm in his own <laughs> internal brain, and he oversleeps. It's like, what happened? I guess I hit the snooze. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, well, now I'm a blinds and, down guy. I I actually put the money in and, and got blinds. Okay. So ah, uh, so now Thank you can't God. sleep. You have a terrible life. Uh, and, and and I need an alarm. And I need an alarm. Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, the, again, we will have a poll going out this week to, uh, to, to get to the bottom of this. Uh, uh, I'm curious if the percentage is over 10%, but, uh, I, if there's, if there's less than a 30% spread in this poll, I'm going to be mortified. Like I'm going to be sickened, Mike. I will be ill if there is less than 30% of a, of a split between the two groups, but we'll have to find out. Let's move away from a topic before I get angry at, at myself. <laughs> Let's talk about some Mario Power Tennis, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So Mario Power Tennis, obviously, we've talked about it so much already, but we wanted to bring Harrison on because Harrison, of course, has played this game, but he's also played the original Mario Tennis, the N64 version. And Harrison, we, we've talked about all the great things about uh, Mario Power Tennis, but is there anything from uh, Mario Tennis 64 that you would have loved to see in the GameCube version? Well, Birdo, first off. Mm -hmm. That's the one that sticks mm. out for sure. Birdo is the Serena Williams of of <laughs> the Mario Tennis world. The fact that they didn't bring Birdo in is is a catastrophe. 
Yeah, yeah, just it's shameful, really. Besides Birdo, Birdo's obviously the big, the big standout there. But in terms of in terms of most of it, I felt like they brought a lot of it over, anyways. They did for for me personally. The the characters, uh, Birdo, Baby Mario, Toad would have been great. Oh yeah, there's no baby, no baby Mario. Oh yeah, Donkey Kong Junior. Because yeah, they, just erased, they just erased they just erased him from Nintendo history, like 1984, yeah. and basically. Yeah, that was an interesting one there. Uh, I wish. Uh, I also really like the the courts in um, 64. I I think the courts are a little better mm-hmm. in my mind. There's the, the the courts in Mario Power Tennis are good. You know, we have our clay court, our grass court, and our. Uh, Hardcore, which are all the standard ones, but we also have WarioWare, Blooper, uh, DK Jungle, Bowser Castle. The NES Mario Court in Power Tennis is really cool. And the Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. Sunshine and Luigi's Mansion Courts. But for me, uh, some of those courts are a little too zany to play. There's just like too much stuff going on. I I I like playing this game more just as a normal tennis game. Mm -hmm. And the 64 version did a really good job. Uh, for their courses because most of their courses aren't as zany that you can you can play them just as normal courses or normal courts so mm-hmm. that's something i really would have liked to have back uh, instead of just your standard grass clay and hardcore um and i'm trying to think of like other things necessarily because again the mario power tennis really just feels like an improvement to me i personally haven't played the 64 version as much but harrison would you consider the GameCube one to be the improved version? Um, I don't know if I think it's the improved one. Like, you mentioned the courts, and I'm kind of like you. I, I look at it as more of like a, a sports game than I, like a, a Mario game, per se, right? Yeah. The uh, the courts I really liked on in N64, and I agree with you that they are very, uh, you know, zany. They are um, kind of kitschy in a way as well, too. I think for... The thing with a tennis game, it's it's very hard to improve on it. Like, if you think of all the games over the years, like, it starts off with Pong, right? And then it just goes all the way up. There's parts of Power Tennis I didn't actually like. I think, it, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I didn't like the the power serves or, like, the power moves. Like, they were, like, mm-hmm. kind of fun to watch, some of them. But even then, like, they would get, like, repetitive. And I don't think you could skip through yeah. through them, if I remember correctly. No, I- I wanted no. I wanted to bring that up. Like after a while, I kind of felt like okay, I don't need to see you know Bowser flaming, Bowser breathing fire on the ball. I don't need to see Donkey Kong jumping in his barrel every time. Or seeing like, shy I would guy like to... with his uh, his like yeah. not very woke. Uh, <laughs> he's got his like he's like an indigenous uh, kind of like he's got his spears and he's got his mask and everything yeah. and he's got the headdress. I'm like, oh, this is not this is not good to have. <laughs> this did not age well. No, <laughs> no. no I, I don't need them to like completely like skip the power shot move like i still want the players to have the power shots but it would be nice if you could toggle that like turn the animation off let me just see the character hit the ball real hard or let me see them quickly jump over to the ball to hit it back like i don't need to see them you know do their weird somersault move and it's a quick cutscene. it takes you out of the game a little bit and it would be nice if we could just take that out but it wasn't there i was i was kind of hoping it would be i was looking in the settings before this just to see because i didn't notice it as much when i was younger but now i do because i just want to play the game one one thing that is maybe a bit of a not strange thing but just something that i noticed when i was playing this week uh is that i would love to have just better overall stats and metrics from this game i i know that's not what the game is about but you know i would love to see how many deuces i've had in a game 
like oh. you know you know because in real tennis it says like what deuce you're at if they're like you know if they're still going 40 40 uh there it's like your mm-hmm. seventh one that they're at at this that point round right because in mario power tennis yeah. there's so many games like you said earlier neil that go on for 45 minutes i want to see the yeah. you know more in-depth stats of like what happened in that game you know how many yeah. times uh were there like unforced errors i'd like to see that i'd like to see general stats nothing crazy but a little mm-hmm. bit more yeah the uh, nintendo has done that like they they they, they go in and out of doing like in-depth stats. Because the Superstar not... Baseball one has really in-depth yeah. stats. Yeah, and I even love like just certain parts of other franchises that they've done, like uh, Mario Kart. The thing that I miss most about Mario Kart is the time. Uh, at the very end of the game, you find out by yeah. how much you lost by, which is much needed in a game of Mario Kart, where like you and your, your friend finish the finish line at the exact same time, it seems, but you both finished first and second. I love to know like by how much did I lose. Yeah, they seem to be taking that out, you know? Yeah, there are certain bits, like, that they do show in, just going back to Mario Kart, they'll show, like, how many kilometers you've driven and how many how many gold medals you've won or whatever, how many minutes you've played online and, and whatnot. But, yeah, it would be really cool at the end of a tennis match to say, like, here was, like, the hardest or the, the what would you say, the fastest serve, and here was the rally with the most hits and, like, all yeah. of those things. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool to have. And, and like, what other games have done is to have, like, an RPG element to it where maybe you can go through, like, a campaign and, and up your stats, like, maybe turn – peach into a into a power character or turn bowser into a technical character like like, well that's kind of what you can do in the game boy advance version exactly the game boy advance versions of both mario golf and mario tennis are a bit more of like an rpg and i love rpg elements in sports games i think that they should always be there uh that this game does not have too much uh customization to it which is too bad so a bit more customization to your skill set and maybe even like your gear which they've added in the new games uh, yes. Like, uh, customizing your gear and your equipment would be really neat. One thing this game obviously did improve on from the Mario sixty or Mario Tennis sixty four game is that uh, Mario is no longer the ref, was which was always <laughs> a uh, a weird one when he was the ump and you would be playing as Mario. Yeah, and then it was Mario with a blue hat. It was like there's Mario, and then there's yeah. Mario with a blue hat, which I've never seen before, like ever. I'm like, why is he wearing a blue hat? Or since. Yeah, or since. <laughs> and now, who's it now? Like, what was it? Old old man Toadsworth. Old man Toadsworth? He came yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, so Toadsworth was revived uh, after mm. his uh, his brush with death. Uh, we had his obituary. <laughs> we had the funeral. But he's back. And uh, he, is, he is the umpire in all these different tennis arenas. Uh, it would have been cool if we had different umps, depending on what arena you were in as well. But I, I know for the time, like, just having... Um, Toadsworth is fine. Obviously, Lakitu is the ball boy. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, great role for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then the, another great thing that I love about this game is uh, we talked about this a little bit, but the intro. Mm-hmm. It's such a good intro with Wario and Waluigi uh, just kind of being wacky villains as they are they're um they're entering this tennis tournament they see mario and luigi and they start like defacing the uh yeah. their photos and then they're yelling at each other too uh one time warrior just says shut up yeah uh, to, to waluigi and then like they they fall into bowser's lair and you hear i think it's warrior say like what a dump and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've, got, like, this, you've got like this entire little five to ten minute movie which which any yeah. other video game would would break this up and make it cut scenes throughout the game but 
the, uh, we talk about this being peak Nintendo sports games. This is also peak Nintendo cutscenes uh, with all of their sports games, like even Smash Bros. having an iconic opening cutscene for Melee. Uh, Mario Tennis, would, like they, they must have put months into the development of this story, and it just makes me think even more and more every day that why are we making a Super Mario Bros. movie when we could be making a Waluigi and Wario movie? Yeah, It's just such We're a waste. So close. They're such <laughs> great characters. Oh, where they get chased away from after committing vandalism. I want to see that in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that in the movie, starring Adrian Brody as well. Exactly. I want to see that on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a great opening scene. It's very Looney Tunes esque, and we don't get enough of it anymore. And like I said, any other developer, they put their cutscenes throughout the game. This game has very, oh, I think, no cutscenes in the middle of the game. It's just got this, no. this Academy Award winning opening cutscene, and then it has fantastic bloopers at the end where you get to see the characters all messing up their lines or tripping over boom mics while the credits while the credits roll. It's just so clever. Like speaking of lines, like uh, I I was thinking about this when I was doing research, and why nowadays? Do like all the characters? I'm specifically I'm thinking of Warrior and Waluigi. Why do they like speak in full sentences or like are like their sentences are like written out? You know, I'm thinking of the new golf game, Neil. You're, you're when you're going through everything and Warrior and Waluigi are talking oh, to you yeah. and they're, they're like speaking just like a full sentence. I'm like, no, they they can only say yeah. like three words. <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> bit. It, it's I don't want to see them speak. I don't want to read what they're saying. Uh, it just really takes me out of that world. Mm-hmm. It's so funny when they're just these caricatures almost on themselves well it's slapstick comedy and you can tell exactly what they're thinking and what they're saying just based on their body language and by what's going on in the scene where with the new mario tennis and the mario golf game i have no idea what was happening like i have no memory of any of it like none of it stuck with me i it wasn't it wasn't funny like it wasn't interesting to watch but like the three of us are talking right now about this cutscene that sticks that stuck with us as almost as if it was like a pixar movie and they said nothing Mm -hmm. like they said shut up and what a dump (laughs) and then like and and we, we we think of it like it's the greatest piece of media ever made Academy it, it, it is it is <laughs> the greatest piece of media <laughs> but yeah this this game obviously has so many great elements like that harrison is there anything any good great memories or anything that you want to talk about for this game that you really love for mario tennis it's it's just one of those multiplayer games that you had to have in your house if you didn't have it then like your friend had to have it because you know, after getting into fights and, and Mario Party and, and, and Mario Kart, you have to go to the next one, which is, in this case, Mario Tennis. Um, like I said, it's just a classic game that, you know, like I said, tennis has been around since the original Nintendo, right? Like, even before that, right? So, mm-hmm. honestly, just going over to, like, friends' places, um, my buddy Brad, like, I remember for at least the N64 one, um, my buddy Brad could not, for the life of him, beat Birdo in in 64 one so that's why i always pick birdo that's kind of like the the backstory behind that the, the wiggler the wiggler of uh mario tennis 64 that's right it, it's so hard to explain to somebody like why a game like tennis is so addicting and so fun but you really just you really just have to play this game to understand what's so what the hook is really because like at the end of the day it's just tennis but they they made it their own really the nintendo spin on this game cannot be under appreciated no pun intended <laughs> nice yeah. Well, uh, Neil, I think it's time to read the back of the case for this fantastic game. What do you think? I think it is time. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. 
Power up your tennis game. The Mushroom Kingdom has hosted tennis tournaments before, but never one as explosive as this one. Mario and Co. return to the courts with even more powerful shots and new character-specific power moves guaranteed to make for absolute tennis lunacy. Throw banana boomerangs as DK, smack returns with Mario's hammer, and play your way to the top with all your favorite characters. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta agree. And on the back of the box, we have some of the power shots being shown. We have Mario, and then we also have uh, little icons of the characters on the side. Luigi, Daisy, Waluigi, uh, Peach, Wario, and Yoshi. And um, great cover. I actually have the best bestseller one with that stupid sticker that's not a sticker on the box. I hate that. Uh, do you have that one too, Neil? Yeah, I do. I got the same one as yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo decided to not only have their player's choice banner... Uh, on some of their games that sold well, but they also put on this little bestseller uh, gold thing in the bottom left corner. And mind you, you know, we are starting to talk about AAA games that were coming out in the not as great era of GameCube. You know, this game came out in November 2004, so exactly 17 years ago. Uh, and November 2004 was, um, you know, not a great time to be a GameCube motor at that point. No, we were in the middle of a Nintendo lull for sure, but there were gems like this that came out. You just had to be in the Nintendo ecosystem to know it. Like, we didn't deviate from GameCube to PlayStation or Xbox. We kept going to Blockbuster, and you kept taking Mario Tennis from Blockbuster, so I couldn't rent it. We kept buying all the games for GameCube, and that that's really how you get to know the, the ins and outs of a console generation, is you just stick with it, and you're going to find some gems. And not that Mario Tennis is a hidden gem, but it's one that you definitely would have missed if you were playing something else in the summer of 2004. Absolutely. Harrison, before we let you go, uh, we just want to ask, of all the characters in Mario Power Tennis, who would you want to be paired up with on a doubles team? That's a good question. It'd be creepy if I said, like, Peach or, or Daisy, so I'm going to avoid that. Now, you see, my choice would be... I'm, I'm going to make you feel okay about yourself. I would say Daisy. Daisy is my favorite character in the game. The only thing is that she is the creepiest looking character in this game because her eyes are just a little bit off. She's got a little bit of that psychotic, uh, crazy, <laughs> yeah, crazy stare, like, uh, which I don't think I want that. Although I think I do want that in tennis because it would freak out my opponent. So that's my choice would be would be Daisy. Mm, so there's no shame here, Harrison, except please sleep with your blinds down. No, no you know, what? I'm going to take I'm going to take away <laughs> my blinds after this. Um, you know what? I want to pick I'm gonna, My final decision is going to be Diddy Kong. Just because I want to use that, as much as I just threw so much shade at the gimmicks of the power shots, I do want to try out that backpack, okay. rocket thingy, mabobber, whatever, made of barrels. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know the mechanics behind it. It doesn't make sense to me, but um, I'd That's like to fair. use that. And I know you would normally pick Lanky Kong if, uh, if he was a playable character, but unfortunately, <laughs> Diddy Kong is the best we have. Well, I guess I am the embodiment of Lanky Kong in real life. Yeah. So I guess. Can you play I the guess, trombone? So, I don't know. You, you played the trombone, right? You know what? I was given the trombone to play in grade. When do you start playing music? Grade six, grade seven? That seems right. They gave me the trombone and I was just like, oh, I can't play the trombone. My braces are in the way. And the music <laughs> teacher who was dumb enough to believe me said, okay. And um, I got to play percussion instead. So I was actually like on the drums. So I was really good at uh, that, that Donkey Kong jungle beat game i don't even know what it's called mm -hmm, mm -hmm. good enough well, <laughs> well harrison thank you coming for coming on for your 10th episode so far it's been great to have you as always and here's to the next 10 <laughs> thanks buddy
talk to you guys later. Take care, man. Have a good one. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Harrison, for coming on today to talk about some Mario Tennis. Just your memories of it. Uh, just it being such a great franchise, great game, and... Um, for being on here 10 times that's a that's an accomplishment in itself so congratulations to harrison being the third member almost uh other than victor i guess victor's our our true third member yeah victor's been on all 72 plus side mission episodes (laughs) so he technically takes the cake uh of course victor makes all of our jingles if you don't know that already and uh we owe him a great deal for all the things that he does but uh yeah mario tennis what a terrific uh, what a terrific franchise. It's just been a lot of fun to play it this week. I feel super spoiled right now. Like I said at the top of the episode, we're in the middle of a great run of of games to play. Uh, we're getting into the fall now, so new games are coming out, which is really exciting. Or we're, we're deep into the fall now, actually, but new games are out. Deep in the fall. That's, my, that's the name of my, uh, my post-hardcore band. Deep in the fall. Uh, <laughs> But uh, Mike, we need to talk about a couple of things uh, to close out the episode. But before we do, I believe that Mario Power Tennis is featured in one of our favorite books of all time, A Thousand and One Video Games to Play Before You Die. So uh, why don't you go ahead and read what the excerpt from that says about the game? Yes, of course. Yeah, I I will definitely gladly read this. Okay. Mario Power Tennis preserves the simplicity of classic pick-up-and-play games, but also introduces nuanced strategy, typically reserved for more complex sims. Players choose from a cast of classic Mario characters, each with their own on-court strengths. Lanky Waluigi plays a killer-serve-and-volley game at the net, while slow and hard-hitting Bowser is best suited to the baseline. Indeed, despite a panoply of entertaining bells and whistles, the enduring pleasure of this game is its pure tennis. The grind of a long volley, the science of a whizzing topspin, the careful dance of court position. Even players with no particular affinity for the famous Italian plumber will appreciate the care which Camelot translated the game from racket to gamepad. That's beautiful. And it as always, beautiful. <laughs> succinctly tells, uh, succinctly wraps up exactly what we've been talking about this entire episode. I do have uh, one sad uh, thing to admit before we uh, before we close out, and that is, oh, is it Toadsworth dying? No, no, Toadsworth. Oh, once again, Toadsworth is gonna. It has gone back into his grave now. He not, he thankfully came back to life to uh, to referee tennis for us, and now he's gone back. But uh, back, rest in peace. Uh, but my 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 uh, confession has to be that uh, uh, I may have told this on the podcast before. But my parents met. Their first date was a tennis game. So. Tennis for me oh. means a lot just based on the fact that it was the way my parents met and that was what they did. They played a game together. I don't know who won, but my mom asked my dad out. They were working together at Bata Shoes, which I've mentioned on this podcast before, I think. Uh, so f- I never played tennis as a kid. I was actually really good at badminton. Mike, you and I played badminton a lot when we were young in your backyard. Of course. You had a perfect backyard for, for badminton. You had the court set up every summer. So uh, never really played much tennis, but I was always a huge fan of badminton as a kid playing with you. And, and in gym class, uh, our school, we had like a two-week term of, of badminton at some point in gym class for some weird reason. Uh, but uh, I got to say, I don't know how the scoring in tennis works. That's my confession today. I don't understand it. I never will. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. Uh, I, you know, love is 0, 15, 30, 40 for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then, you know, we have the deuces. Uh, and tiebreakers. Tiebreaks, yeah. Tiebreaks, I did not understand. There's a certain number of sets. I didn't understand why we have to switch sides of the court. That's actually one of my main gripes with the game also is that why do I now have to be on the other side of the screen? I'm playing against a computer. Although you can click uh, Z to change that. Uh, while you're playing, if you click Z, you can change the camera angles from like a low angle to a high angle, but you can also do it. So you go back to like your preferred position. 
So um, I'm not sure if you knew that, Neil, but that might change your game. I did not, but thank you so much for explaining that to me. This is something <laughs> that they do not tell you in the game. I would have loved to have known that. I was like, why do I have? Why do they even bother like doing that? Because you're playing against a computer anyway. It's a little weird. Yeah. You mentioned tiebreakers too. The last thing I want to say, I, I wanted to say this with, with Harrison who came on, but I'll just say it here anyways, is that I love that the tiebreaker music changes. It's it's um it's more upbeat and mm-hmm. there's like that punk beat going. Oh, it's, it's, it's more stress. It's more stressful, man. It's more stress. Yeah, and I love that. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. All the music in this game is really, really well done. And, you know, this is a game that they could have phoned it in for music for sure. Oh, yeah. Just being a sports game. But it's, it's really well done in that way. And I think they did a great job and yeah i don't have enough good things to say about this i can go on forever no so i won't go on forever uh we'll obviously recommend this game neil but where do you see the franchise going you know we got aces it exists and it's getting updated a lot which is a good thing uh but do we see another mario tennis coming in the near future in the near future no i think that we'll see another mario tennis game on the next nintendo console whatever that is and I think it's just going to be another continuation of what they've already done. Mario Tennis Aces mm-hmm. is the best-selling Mario Tennis game. It's also the best-selling Mario sports game, not counting Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. So Nintendo's going to know that, and they're just going to take it. It's a cash cow. I don't think that these games cost a lot to develop. The writing is obviously not that prolific or anything, so like they don't need to come up with a, a massive script. These games are quick to produce, and they make them uh, a quick buck. So unfortunately, I think it's just going to be a little bit more of what we've already seen with aces what i would love to see though is to have a mario tennis and a mario golf game like we said with matt is to have some more rpg elements in these games i would love to have a game we've talked about a bunch on this episode golf story is one of my favorite sports games of all time it's this 16-bit golf game uh on switch and it's on every console now at this point but it's it's almost like a it's an rpg but with golf and it's it's so cool you level up your character and it's got an engaging story and the, the story itself took about I don't know, maybe 15 hours to beat, but it was it was one of the best experiences that I've had on Switch. And I think Mario Tennis, all the Mario sports games are are ready for something like that to to, to come out. And I would I would absolutely adore that. I don't think I'm gonna buy another Mario sports game unless we get something like that. Uh, but I'm sure that'll change my tone as soon as they announce Mario Strikers 2. Uh, but that's enough for me, <laughs> Mike. Where, where do you see Mario Tennis going forward? Yeah, probably the same thing. And it's kind of unfortunate because I. I do like the new Mario Tennis and the new Mario Golf, but they are a little lackluster in terms of just what they bring to the table, and they feel very generic in a lot of ways, uh, especially the story mode, and just just everything with it is very sterile, very polished, and I don't think that's what makes a good sports game and a good arcade sports game. I am certain that we will never get a better game than Power Tennis for for a Mario Tennis game. I just... I don't know how you would be able to, to make one in the, the modern era with that. Would I want this remastered or something? Not really. Just let me play GameCube games on my Switch. That's really <laughs> all I've re- been asking this entire time. So yeah. <laughs> that's all I want. Just let yeah. me play it at any time, anywhere, but just the version it is now and I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to do it better. I think they just need to do something different. And I think adding a, a, a good story to it. I think that them saying that there's a story in these Mario sports games is a bit of a it's a bit of a lie to be perfectly frank like these are not stories like the mario golf was not a campaign mario tennis was not a story either give me a 40 dollars game i know it's not gonna happen but give me a 40 dollars game with no story just the gameplay like just tennis just golf i will be i would be super happy with that 
I would have no complaints. I don't need a single-player story because I know that they're not going to be able to do it in in a cool RPG way. They just won't, you know, or have these cool mini games like having a mini golf for for golf or yeah. for tennis. Maybe having badminton or maybe yeah. having ping pong ping in pong. it. Like there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things that you could do with these games, and I just don't think that Nintendo has any appetite to be adventurous with them. And that's kind of why I'm I, for me, I don't really care too much about what we get next from Nintendo for the tennis. I just want to be able to play power tennis more. Yeah, well, we can because we both own this game and we have it on GameCube. <laughs> but Mike, while I'm while I'm staring at the case of Mario Power Tennis, wondering why the ends are lowercase, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on the GameCube was cool podcast? Oh yeah, they are lowercase, and the R is lowercase too yeah. on the power. That was actually way weirder. <laughs> now that I think about it, can't unsee Ooh, I don't that. Like that. No. <laughs> um, uh, next week is a very very special week. Like we said at the beginning of the show, because we are going live. It's going to be our first ever live show. We will be on Twitch. We will be streaming it. Uh, you can check it out at Borton Ernie. That's B O R T A N D E R N I E, like uh, Burton Ernie. But instead, it's Bort. It's mm-hmm. a Simpsons joke. It's an, it's an old joke. We will put it. Don't <laughs> worry. We will put that up on all of our social media feeds, so you know where to find it. Well, and- yeah, we will be advertising this every day for the next week. It will be <laughs> everywhere. Uh, it's going to be a big. You know, it's a big thing. It's a, the twentieth anniversary North America of the GameCube. Twenty years, which is just amazing, and we want to celebrate it the right way. So we're going to do it live. And the episode will go out Friday morning. The the episode that we recorded live, so it won't be edited. So it's not going to be as you know crystal clean as uh, <laughs> our, our other uh, shows that we've done, but uh, stay tuned for that if you want to just listen to it afterwards. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Mike and I are going to record it in person. We're going to hang out together. We're going to probably have some cake and celebrate the GameCube's birthday. Uh, we'll be playing Nightfire. We'll be playing Mario Kart. We'll probably play a couple other uh, multiplayer games that we have not decided yet, so it's going to be a ton of fun. We're looking forward to trying something new with this podcast. But until then, thank you so much for listening to episode 72 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are the GameCube was cool. And then you can follow us for free on Instagram. We are at the GameCube pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Wiggler, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. What a dump. <laughs> Wah, I lost. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.